You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for practical passages like this, Lord, where it just really deals directly with what we need most help with a lot of times. And so I just pray that you guide me, that you would empower me, Lord, as I preach your word, that it would be clear and effective and helpful for us in our daily walks. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are two common errors that take place when we approach a topic like parenting. So the first error is we'll oftentimes look through the Bible for a specific topic that like specifically says parents or children. So, so we look for topics and we just look for the actual word or the actual exact passage that talks about that. And we miss a lot of the passages that, that definitely apply, even though they don't directly address it. So let me give you an example. Jesus, right before he ascended into heaven, he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Now, parents, you have the, the number one opportunity to make disciples in your home with your children. You are the number one tool that God can use to shape your children into disciples of Jesus. So there's an example. It doesn't say parents. It doesn't say children. But it directly applies to parenting. So, so when you look at a topic like parenting, um, don't just gloss over the passages that don't directly address it. So that's the first error. A second error that takes place is we'll divorce a text from its context. So in this passage, we, we searched in our little Google for a text on parenting. We found this. We go right to verse 20 and 21. We read it, and we try to apply it, but we miss maybe the broader context. And sometimes that can really get you into trouble. I heard a story one time where a guy was flipping through his Bible for wisdom, right? And so he flipped through his Bible, and he opened it up, and he found a passage that said, Judas went out and hung himself. And he's like, huh, that's not very encouraging. Flips through it again, and he found another passage that says, go thou and do likewise. So, see, that, that's not a good way to approach our Bibles without looking at the context. And you can kind of see how that plays out. So here, what I want to do today, before we dive into the actual text, verses 20 and 21, I want to walk through the passage quickly again. Um, don't worry, quickly, right? I know what time it is. Um, we're going to walk through it, and I want to show you what I mean. I want to show some of the principles that directly apply to parenting in this passage that you may have missed if you were just looking for a text on parenting, okay? So I'm going to give you just a long list of words. Don't be overwhelmed by it. Don't feel like you have to take notes. This is kind of introductory, um, but they are good principles for parenting. So if you want to write them down, you can. Um, but the first one would be identity. So if you look at verses 1 through 4, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And then it says in verse 3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So what is that talking about? It's talking about our identity that's anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. See, we're all born as sinners. We're all born separated from God. And because of that, we can't do anything that can save us. Nothing can save us. That's why going to church won't get you to heaven. Giving money in the plate won't get you to heaven. Trying to be a good person won't get you to heaven. We have to have a time where we recognize our sin. We place our faith in Jesus alone to save us. We call out to him to save us. And he saves us. He reconciles us to God. But not only that, he unites us to the person of Christ. So my identity is in Jesus Christ. I don't look at my accomplishments for my identity. I don't look at the success of this church for my identity. 
Oftentimes, men will do that. We'll look for our work, we'll look at our accomplishments, and we'll think that's where we get our value. That's not where we get our value. I get my value and my identity from Jesus Christ. And that's where we have to understand, especially parents have to understand, your identity is in Christ. And if you don't understand that first, you'll look for identity in your children. So you'll, you'll, you'll look for the successes and the failures of your children, and you'll directly, you'll directly point back to yourself and think, I'm a failure because my kids are a failure, or I'm pretty awesome because my kids are pretty awesome. And, and you're looking at the wrong place for identity. So, so there's a principle right there. And the same is true for children. Children, if you're looking at your, your parents' approval for your identity, that's going to be hollow and exhausting. Okay? Don't look at your accomplishments. Look to Christ. You're dead and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So there's a principle. The next is process. Now, if you remember when I preached through this passage, I preached grace-driven effort. And I talked about how there's still sin in our life that we have to kill. Right? Just because Jesus forgave us and, and reconciled us to God, we still have sin that we battle, and so we have to put that to death. And guess what, parents? The same is true for your children. And you're like, oh, you didn't even have to tell me that, right? I understand my kids have sin in their lives. But realizing that will help you understand that they're going to mess up, and they're going to mess up a lot, and that parenting is a process. Okay? Just like our own growth as Christians doesn't happen overnight, your, your children's growth isn't going to happen overnight. It's a long process, and we see that in this passage. And so if you'll keep that in mind, it'll give you a little more patience. It'll kind of let you see the long term, right? When things seem horrible, um, just remember that it's a long-term process, and God is working in your children as you apply biblical principles, okay? The next thing we see is the goal. If you look at verse 10, it says, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now we know that we were, we were all created in the image of God. We were made to reflect the nature and character of God. Sin damaged that image, distorted that image. Jesus came, again, died for our sins. All who place their faith in him begin to be renewed in the image of Jesus. It's awesome. Like you can see the theme all throughout the scriptures. So if we understand that, then Christianity is not behavior modification it's spirit transformation god is transforming us from the inside and the same is true for your children so we're not looking for children who behave properly all the time that's not the end goal that uh, it's good to want that it's good to teach your children to behave properly but you're looking for spirit transformation you're looking for an actual heart and life change and if you'll keep that in mind that principle in mind when dealing with your children then you're not just going to address the fruit. You're going to try to get to the root. So why is my child acting up right now? What is wrong? What is he not understanding? What is she not getting right now? What conversations could we have right now that would help get to the root of this issue? And, and that's, that's so helpful in understanding this. And also, children, again, it's helpful for um, children to understand that, that the issues that you're dealing with, there's a root to it. So, so get to the root because God is after your heart. He's not after your behavior. God is not after our religion. He's not after our going through the motions and checking boxes. He's after our hearts. He wants us to be renewed into the image of Jesus and live the life we were created to live. And that's helpful with parenting as well. Um, the next thing, worship, in verses 16 and 17, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
in all wisdom. And then 17 says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see a principle there that as the word of Christ is dwelling in us, then God is working through us. And one of the primary ways he changes us is through his word. And if we'll understand that and apply that to our homes, then we'll have a time where where parents understand, I need God's word for wisdom to be able to deal with my children rightly. Children understand they need God's word. And even as a family, I'd recommend you have a time together where you're in God's word. Now, some of you are like, you don't understand how our schedules are, our house are, that's, that's not going to happen. And I have a lot of memories where we tried it as a family growing up, and it was like, it would go really good for a few weeks, and then it would be a failure. Um, some days we'd do it super early, before school, and we all just hated my dad. But he'd be like, all right, kids, get up, we're going to read our Bible, right? And we're just like, oh, you know? So, so you got to find a good time. But what I'd recommend, if you do dinner together, right after dinner, a short verse, Maybe a couple prayer requests. Pray together as a family. You can even sing a song if you want. Keep it short and simple. All right, I've told this story before, but Shane and I, we like to do devotions together. We do our individual time in the Word. We try to do it together. And my problem as a husband early on was, um, obviously, I'm a pastor, and so I study a lot. And so I'm like, babe, let's read through the book of Romans tonight, right? Like, we're just going to spend hours in God's Word, and that would really push her away from it. So I had to understand to start simple. And the same is true with your kids. When, when you're dealing with this, it's not going to sound fun to stop playing video games and getting God's Word. Let's just be honest. But if you keep it short, keep it simple, and understand these are the words of our Creator And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So let's get in the word, kids, just a little bit. Even if you're all at the table and you just read one verse, you'll see the impacts right off the bat. And and even as a kid, as I was going through um, uh, high school and college, all the time when troubles came, the promises of God would flood my mind and heart because of the scripture that my parents implanted in me early. And and so, so get in the word, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and then do it all as an act of worship to Jesus. All right, next, um, model. In verses 18 and 19, we talked about that last week, but this has to do with with husbands and wives. So so we have to understand, if you you weren't here last week, I'd recommend check it out on the podcast, Um, but we have to understand that husbands and wives are given for modeling what it looks like to live this stuff out for your kids. And so, so primarily, parents are to model love and grace. You're to model forgiveness. They're going to see you fight. Model what it looks like to forgive. Model what it looks like to give grace. And, and you display that patience. You display that humility by the way you treat one another, spouses. And most importantly, like, like we talked about last week, marriage is a picture of the gospel. That, that's God's purpose for marriage. It's a beautiful thing. In the beginning, when God said, it's not good for man to be alone, the reason is because that picture of the gospel wasn't there yet. And Paul in Ephesians 5 says that marriage is a mystery. He says, I don't fully understand it. It's still a mystery. But this actually points to Christ and his church. And so we see this beautiful display. And I talked about it last week. But the model, the picture of the gospel is being attacked and torn down in our country right now. And so we need to be a church full of, full of husbands and wives who say, I'm going to display the gospel and the way that we treat one another as husband and wife so my parents, so my children can see it. All right. Next, authority. Now, this actually does talk about children in verses 20 and 21. Um, but Paul is saying here, look, don't. Be their buddy first. Be their parent first. 
Okay? Parents, you're not called to be your children's friend. It's okay to be your children's friend. My, my parents are my, one of my closest friends. But you've got to be their parent first. You've got to be that authority in their life that helps direct them. And we'll get into that more later. But the last principle that I think kind of covers it all is grace. And that's why I called the, the message Grace-Filled Homes. If we're honest with ourselves, and I, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but if we're honest with ourselves, if we ask how, how well we do in all those principles, can we all just be honest and say, uh, yeah, pretty bad, right? A lot. So, so let's be honest. That's okay. It's a safe place, right? So what do we need? We need grace. We need God's grace. We need to continually go to God and say, God, I need your help. And I say this all the time, but Christianity is not self-help. This is not our own effort. This is asking God to work through us and to empower us to live the life that he has called us to live. All right, so there's some principles from our passage that don't even specifically say parents and children, but you see how that applies very much to the home, very much to the way you deal with your children. And so I hope that was helpful to you as you go to the word on your own to see these principles because they're all over scripture. These are the words of God and you can see the divine wisdom all throughout. It's awesome. All right, so now let's get into our text. In Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 20, he says this, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Parents, you can say amen there. Um, 21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So we're going to break this down, um, first of all, with the role of children. All right? So, first question we've got to ask is, children, who is he addressing specifically here? Okay, if you look at the Greek word behind children, it's actually pretty broad. So it can have the idea of adults and young children. In fact, in some cultures, you were a child that had to obey your parent until your parents were dead. So like, can you imagine like you're 40, you're married, you've got your own kids, and your dad's like, son, I need you home by nine. And you're like, come on, right? Like you're 40, right? That'd be horrible. But, but um, if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, Paul uses the same Greek word. And he says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we think he's referring to younger children. Um, But here's a good definition. If you're still living at home, you're a child. All right? Parents, you can say amen, right? So, So when I hear someone say, man, my parents just won't get off my back. I'm like, they pay your bills, they give you a place to live, they feed you. I mean, what do you want? If you want to do your own thing... Go get a house and pay your own bills, right? But until then, you're a child, so obey your parents. And the, the kids are like, why did I come this week, right? Um, but so so when, I, when I see him say, children, obey your parents, I'm saying anybody who's still at home, obey your parents, okay? So he's talking to children. What does he tell them to do? Obey your parents in all things. Obey your parents in all things. So let me just start by saying, look, I understand no one likes to obey, I get that. Nobody likes to obey. I didn't like to obey. Um, There were consequences if I didn't obey, though. So sometimes I like to obey to avoid the consequences. Um, But just remember for a second, this is God's design. Okay, so God said to do this. Now, if God created the world, don't you think he knows what's best for you? Right? Like if if I'm going to put something together, and a lot of times as a stubborn man... I'm like, I don't need these instructions, right? Throw them to the side and and throw it all together. And I'm like, well, I've got a lot of extra parts. Um, The best way is to go to the manual and look at the guy who made it and say, how did he say to put it together? And, And God, the one who made everything, said, children, it's in your best interest to obey your parents. And look, I understand 
that sometimes parents can be annoying. I understand that sometimes they can be frustrating and at times you don't understand why they have the rules they have. But God is saying, obey your parents in all things. And this is a blessing. This is for your flourishing. All right. And so so get this today, because there's this old saying um, that someone says, I'm not young enough to know everything. And the reason that's a saying is because the younger you are, the more you feel like you have the world figured out. And, and can I just be honest with you? Um, when I look at myself last year compared to now, I'm like, I was kind of dumb last year. And, and, and you guys are like, eh, you're still kind of there, Pastor. Sorry. Um, but, but seriously, the older we get, the more we realize we don't really know as much as we thought. And I'm telling you, your parents are smarter than you think. And the Bible says that foolishness is actually bound in the heart of a child. So you're just, you're naturally going to go towards foolish things. Um, to give you an example, kids are in the house, toys everywhere. Kids leave the toys and go directly to the bleach, right? I'm going to drink this bleach. Like, no. Like, so that's why we, we lock the cupboards and we say, no, play with your toys. Like, kids are just naturally going to want to go this way. Like, perfect yard, lots of green grass, swing set traffic i'm gonna go that way right so 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 kids i know you're like oh, i'm not that dumb but but seriously you're <laughs> this is scripture's nice way of saying i know you don't think you're dumb but you're a little dumb still and that's why we gave you parents okay <laughs> and, and so i know that doesn't feel like good but it is for your flourishing all right it is for your best interest and if you'll apply these principles and say i'm gonna obey my parents even when i don't understand it i'm, I'm telling you you're gonna have a lot better time um, th- with this life. Okay. I don't know how many times my parents always wanted to know exactly what I was going to do with my friends. Like they wanted like a play by play before they'd let me go. And so I'm like, okay. So I'd always have to come up with something cause normally we didn't have something yet. So I'm just coming up with something. Right. And, and they would always be like, no, you're not going to do that. And so I'm like, okay, fine. I got to come up with something better. Um, and I, can, I don't know how many times I did something that they told me not to do. And I immediately regretted it. I, um, one time my parents said, you can go to your friend's house, but it's a blizzard outside. So don't be driving around. Just get there, stay there. But you know, I'm smarter than my parents, right? So I'm going to drive around and I'm even going to use the snow for a fun time, right? We're going to do donies and all this stuff. And I ended up in a tree. It was really bad. Crashed the Jeep. It was all destroyed. And I had to call my parents in humility and beg for their forgiveness. Okay. So, so what I'm telling you is I know you think, you know, it all, but just obey your parents. They really do love you. I know it doesn't seem like it, but they really do love you and they have your best interests in mind. So obey your parents. And ultimately, why should you do this? It says in the verse, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So in the end, as you obey your parents, you do so to the Lord as an act of worship, understanding that it's for his glory. That's pretty cool, kids. That's a pretty cool thing that you can please your creator just by obeying your parents. And so... That's the role of children. Now let's get to the role of parents. And now the kids can all breathe, breathe out and say, okay, get them, pastor, right? So let's look at the parents. Um, It says this, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And Ephesians, he actually goes further with this. And he says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Um, But just for the sake of our text, we're just going to stay here today. There's a lot more on parenting um, that we could cover, but I just want to cover what he says here. Um, And first of all, so who is he talking to when he says fathers? um, Ultimately, I think you won't understand that unless you were here last week to understand that the primary responsibility for leadership in the home is given to the father. And that's not superiority. That's not your better. 
That's you have a different role. You're equal in value, different in role. That's how we explained it last week. And so when he says fathers, he's, a, he's specifically addressing the fathers and saying, ultimately, both parents are responsible, but ultimately the father is held accountable for how he leads his home. That's the way God set it up. And so some of, some of the fathers in here, you might be pawning off raising the kids to, to the wife, um, but I'm telling you, you're going to give an account. And since it's Mother's Day, all the mothers can say amen, right? Get, get busy, fathers. But also, this applies to both. And the reason we know this is because this Greek word actually is broader. And in Hebrews 11.23, it's actually translated parents there. And so it has the idea of both. But I think the reason um, it's, it's male here and it's given to fathers is because of that primary responsibility of leadership. Okay, so, so ultimately, I'm not going to give an account as your pastor for your kids' lives. That's ultimately your responsibility. Okay, and so, so we have to understand that. Um, so he says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger. What does that mean? That means parents don't negatively motivate their children. Christian parents don't do that. They don't poke and jab. They don't exhaust them. Um, they don't mock them. They don't ridicule you. You don't, you don't use negative means to get your children to do something. That's just not how parents, Christian parents, do it. And, and the reason we don't do that, the reason Christian parents don't act that way, because we see that everywhere, right? That's, that's a pretty good technique, actually. It works pretty good um, to kind of provoke your kids and, and do what you want to do. I have this, like, um, love-hate relationship with my nephew right now. He's, he's pretty young still. Um, but some days he's like, loves me. I'm like his best friend. And some days he woke up on the wrong side of the bed and he's just like, leave me alone. And so sometimes I have fun kind of provoking him during that time, right? And, and it is easy and it's actually, it's very effective. And so it's very natural to use negative means with children to try to get them what we want to do. But remember the goal, we're not after behavior modification. We're after heart and life change. And so if you keep that in mind, then you're not going to negatively provoke your children and just exhaust them and exasperate them with the rules and, and all these trying to, trying to get them to be a certain way. You're after their heart. So you're going to take that extra time. You're going to have that long conversation. You're going to sit down and explain the why behind a lot of it. All right? And that's going to help your children start to understand. You're, they're not going to perfectly understand. But, but that's what he's saying. He's saying don't provoke your children to anger. Why? Lest they be discouraged. You know, nothing is more discouraging to a child than a parent who is constantly provoking them. A, a, a child who feels like they're never good enough, a child who feels like they're constantly ridiculed and mocked and treated like they're dumb, that, that's very discouraging. That's very exhausting. In fact, um, it was Martin Luther who, who said he actually has a hard time, his entire life had a hard time going to God as father because of the way his father treated him. He had to relearn what it meant to be father. And when God says, that, when Jesus said that God is our father, he wasn't saying like your earthly father, he was saying the perfection of father. But fathers, I will say the way you deal with your children, a lot of times shapes their view of God. And, and they carry that with them the rest of their life because that's how they think of the authority. And God doesn't provoke us to anger. God, God doesn't ridicule us. God doesn't mock us. God says, come to me. All who are, are labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. God uses grace to motivate us. God says, hey, all your sins are forgiven. You're united to the person of Christ. Come to me. I know you messed up, but come to me. I'll give you grace. That's how God deals with us. And so that's how 
parents ought to deal with their children if you're Christians. Okay, so we don't negatively poke at, we don't negatively mock, we don't negatively um, prod our children and exhaust them. Now, Paul doesn't really lay out exactly what that looks like. And so what he's saying is, you've got to use your imagination here, you've got to use the mind that God has given you and ask, what are some ways that I have been provoking my children? What are some ways that my child specifically gets provoked by the way I deal with them? Because every child is different. Right? And you understand that. Every child is different. And so this discipline that worked really good with child one might not work as good with child two. They might not handle it the same. And so Paul doesn't give specific details. He just says, don't use negative means. Now, I wanted to give you a little, just a few examples of what this could look like. Um, this could be a lack of time. I've said this before, but, but children spell love, T-I-M-E. And so many parents today are so caught up and, and their goals and their desires and their ambitions that they're not spending the time that their children need. And you know what? That can, that can be discouraging. That can be provoking your children to anger. And, and so I don't know if that means maybe not as nice of a car, so I'm not going to work as many hours. I don't know if that means a smaller house so I can spend more time with my children. That might mean big things. But what's more important, money in the bank or your children's hearts? And so spend time with your children. This could be an inconsistency of discipline. So one day, your child doesn't take out the trash and you yell at him. The next day, you ground him for two years. Okay, so, so that can be discouraging, right? And, and that happens, okay? It's easy to, to not be consistent, but it's good for the spouses to get together and have some ground rules for how that house works and be consistent. Because inconsistency can really provoke your children to anger. Um, this could be rules without a relationship. I've said this before, but rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And, and the reason a lot of Christians are leaving the faith when they get to college is because they had rules all their life, but they didn't have a relationship. And it's easy to take, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rules in the Bible. But, but we can misapply them and misunderstand them if we just force them on our children and expect the rules to change them. The rules aren't going to change them. Only grace can change them. And the same, you know, the same is true with you. If you read a rule and you feel like you have to obey it to make God happy, that's exhausting. But to know that he loves you in the person of Christ and that the rules are here for our flourishing and our benefit, then we can say with John, the commandments of our Lord are not grievous. They're for my good. And, and as I obey these things, I see it really works out good. Every time I've gone against scripture in my life, I've been disappointed, discouraged, and really very full of regret. But every time I've obeyed scripture, I've, I've been pleased with the results. Because God made everything and it's his design in his word. Alright, so that could be rules without relationship. There's just a few ideas. So, so parents, take this to heart. Ask yourself, have we been provoking our children to anger? What have we been doing that may be discouraging our children? How, how can we better display the gospel and the way we treat one another? How can we be better display the love of God to our children? And ultimately, understand you need grace. Understand your kids need grace. And so be a home just filled with grace. Filled with grace. And so in conclusion, the one thing I don't want you to do with this message is I don't want you to walk away and say, Wow, I've really failed at this, so I'm going to buckle down. We're going to work really, really hard, and we're going to apply this thing. Because again, you'll fall into that trap of self-help and not go to God for his enabling grace. Look, you can't raise your children to the glory of God without God's help. 
So please don't try. Please don't leave and, and, and fall into that self-help trap because that's going to be exhausting. The, those of you who are more ambitious and more driven, it'll last a little longer. Right? You might get a few months of just really buckling down and hard work, but in the end, you're going to need grace. You're going to need grace, and the same is true with a marriage. I, I can't love my wife like Christ loved the church. I can't. And so every single day I say, God, I can't do this. Enable me to do it. Every single day I'm going to the throne for more grace. And John said it's just grace after grace after grace. That's what Jesus is all about. And so we're going for more grace. I want to read this quote from Paul David Tripp. He said this, God calls unable people to do important things so that he will get the glory and not them. He isn't working so that your life as a parent would be easy, predictable, and free from struggle. He calls you to do the impossible so that in your search for help, you would find more than help you would find him. That, that's really what it's all about. When, when you come to this and you're raising your children and it's not working and you're just like, I, I need help, and you go to God for help, the ultimate end goal is that you would find God. And you'd realize he's enough. His grace is sufficient. And he's going to empower me to do this. So in the end, the big idea for all of this is God never calls you to do something without giving you the grace to do it. And so the same is true in this, this topic of parenting. He's called you, he's equipped you, and he's with you. So don't try to do this alone. Rest in the grace available to you and parent your children to the glory of God. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Thank you so much for your grace. Lord, thank you that you call us to this task, but you also enable us for the task. And I just pray that as all of us leave and we examine our homes, we examine our marriages, we examine our parenting, um, that we would just ask for your help, God. We need it. There are some here who are maybe past this stage in their life, and I just pray that they wouldn't leave here with guilt and regret, but again, they would rest in your grace and, and understand that maybe, maybe everything didn't go the way it was planned, but Lord, you have grace for that too. And I just ask that all of us would, by your strength, have grace-filled homes. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.